Hey everyone, Tony and John bringing you King's Talk by Cap City Crown. There have been three Kings games since we last talked, John. Uh, One against the Nuggets, a win against the Thunder, and then last night's uh, atrocity against the Pelicans. How are you feeling right now? They're a little one and two after the All-Star, or they're two, one and three after the All-Star break. Two losses to Denver, only one win coming against the Nuggets. How are you feeling right now as a, as a Kings? As a I Kings think fan? I think those four games give you a pretty good idea that the Kings, they just, they kind of lack a team-wide pedigree. Still, they still need to fill out some more pieces, obviously. And I think, you know, they're obviously better than a team like the Thunder. You know, they at times felt like they could compete with Denver, but a really hot team. I mean, Denver's really hot, but a really hot team like the Pelicans. And, you know, they 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 fell short and you could you could those 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 little holes were glaring. Um that game in particular, though, I think showed a lot that was not probably uh, a source of happiness for Kings fans. I don't know how you feel about that game last night. Uh, I don't even get me started. Honestly. No, I'm getting you started. So if you listen to our podcast two weeks ago, I definitely went on a rant regarding the Nets without James Harden. Sorry, not without James Harden. Well, they were without James Harden, but without Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, uh, the Kings lose by 20 or so. And the Pelicans weren't out, weren't out with, uh, you know, they had McCollum, they had Ingram, but dang it, man, you're in a, I mean, the Pelicans, they're right in the playing race with the Kings, and I, that, it sounds so lame to say, but like the play-in, that is your goal right now to end the season. After trading for Sabonis, like I know the tanking sounds good and everything, and getting that high draft pick, but you got to start winning now. And that last night was a great opportunity to really, you know, you you saw you saw the you saw the heat uh, coming off between each team last night. Everyone was playing hard, going at it. And the Kings held they held their own in that first that first half for sure. And then a the classic third quarter comes around and you know the Kings couldn't stop Ingram at all. They couldn't stop a freaking three pointer at all. Their their perimeter defenses look terrible as of late. And then you just get blown out. You lose by thirty in a game you're supposed to be taking seriously. It's supposed to be you know, the Pelicans are they're right in the way of you reaching your goal for the play in and you lose by thirty points. That's unacceptable. You, you, you that's unacceptable. So frustrating. Uh I mean, I had to watch the game with that kind of intensity in a hot minute, really, because the Kings were so bad early on this season. Wasn't a lot of competitiveness, not a lot to look forward to. But since we got the bonus, I've definitely been watching games in a different light. Yesterday's game, big game, probably the biggest game we've watched in a while, especially since the Pelicans are right in our way to get that play in. You lose by 30. 
I was pissed, <laughs> to say the least. I mean, I had to yell at my TV like that in a minute. But it was just watching them. It was so frustrating. And then their their inability to get defensive stops. And then they go on slumps on offense. And then they can't get stops on defense. I mean, that's obviously how, you know, runs and leads get won. But, oh, my goodness. There was a lid on the basket. The Kings were stuck at 75 forever, it felt like. And then on the other end, the Pelicans couldn't miss. It's like, get a stop. It was, it's hard to watch. And it was just so frustrating to watch it in such a big game that I wish the Kings didn't, I guess, lose by 30. Came out, you know, a little better. But life of a Kings fan for you right there. You know, what's new? Yeah. Well, yeah, that game was, it was one of those things where they were down by four at halftime. They were competing. It did. It had like a close. I mean, like it's not packed in there. It's not a playoff atmosphere, but it was, it was, they were playing like they were playing for something. And the Kings looked pretty decent. I mean, they got off to a good start initially with the three point shot and then it just started to fall off. Um, yeah, interesting that it was another game similar to the first game against Denver where Holiday only finished with three attempts from three. Which I, I you never want to see him just get three attempts. I feel like you want him to see, you know, you see him get six, seven, eight shots from beyond the arc. You know, if you want to be able to keep up with some of these other teams' uh, perimeter shots, especially considering the fact that like who else is going to contribute threes? I mean, Barnes can do it. Divincenzo's been a little streaky, but he's been better as of late. Uh, Mitchell's been really cold with his shot. We could probably talk about that later, but. This game last night against the Pelicans, they just, I mean, the whole playoff atmosphere thing and the fact that they just slid, slid and just fell out of, you know, contention in this game was kind of indicative of, like I said earlier, it's indicative of kind of where this team stands and the fact that, you know, there are glaring needs still that are probably going to need to be, not probably, they are going to be needed to be uh, addressed in the offseason. But, you know, you, I, still, even if I do believe that this Kings team probably just doesn't, you know, with all the competition and even just the way they are, I don't think they really have much of a chance to make the, the play-in. I think it's still, like we said, I think this was a big thing we talked about last week. It's still very important to compete. It's very important to compete. And I think that's what made this game probably so frustrating for you was the fact that it did feel like they stopped competing. And I think one of the things was is when the Pelicans started going on runs, yeah, the the Kings were making some mistakes. They weren't making a ton of turnovers in this game compared to the last few games. They only finished with 11, which, you know, is pretty good for an NBA team. But, you know, they, they were missing shots but they were putting together valuable possessions. They were valuing each possession. And then at a certain point in the third quarter, I think it's just a few bad shots went up. They got out of rhythm. The Pelicans were really rolling. I mean, Ingram was on a roll, but in the second half, you kind of saw Valanchunas and um, uh, uh, McCollum kind of contribute as well. And there was supplemental scoring throughout the team. The Pelicans are just a better team. And when, you know, as uh, Katie was saying on the broadcast, 
when they get Zion back, that's that's I mean, oh my goodness, that's gonna be fun to watch. And I think it's just yeah, it just shows that the Kings they've got a lot to work on. And but there are bright spots, like to the point where they gotta still keep competing. There have been points that have made that ability to compete easier, such as you know, the move to get Lyles in the lineup and drop Harkless out of the rotation. Um you know, things like that. Uh, seeing DiVincenzo kind of emerge, seeing these pieces emerge, seeing Lamb come out of a little injury that he had there going before the All-Star break. DiVincenzo, like I said, Lyles. Um, did I say Lamb? Yeah, the Lamb with the injury. Um, <laughs> and, and then Damian Jones is another guy. But I think, you know, in terms of like adding those pieces, in terms of what we have, those guys in the last few games have played very well. You know, and so there's there's still things to be optimistic about and they can still compete, but they're probably still going to keep coming up short. It's just they, they just don't have you look at this Pelicans roster. I mean, you look at the the some of the teams they played. I mean, not the some of not the Thunder, but the, the Nuggets, the Nuggets second unit. That's insane. The Nuggets are 10 and 0 with DeMarcus Cousins up to today, I think. And that's. That's that's nuts. <laughs> they're 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 so good. That team is stacked. This Pelicans team, they you know, the whole story about them is starting off what one and twelve and now they're killing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this team is just totally turning around. They're peppered with so many good players. Um, and the Kings just have some holes, you know. They've seen some things get better, but ultimately, you know, there's things to be frustrated about, of course. Yeah. And you noted that. You know, maybe the Kings probably won't make the play-in, but it's important to stay competitive, which I agree. I still think your focus at this point should be looking to get into the play-in. I think after last night's loss, we're something like four games out of the 10th seed, which is a big gap with only 20 games left, but not impossible to overcome. And of course, like I said, you and you said, you want to stay competitive, competitive with Sabonis and Fox with your new tandem. But does there come a point with a, you know, solid draft class coming up? Do you just start, maybe not tank, but do you kind of start wishing that the Kings start losing games? At the moment, they hold the six best odds, I guess, to get the first pick. In a perfect world, they'd be sitting at the sixth pick at the moment. They could get you a solid player. I agree. I think being competitive and trying to get the play in is better. But I think nothing would be worse than getting, you know, the twelfth seed again and getting like a, like the eighth pick. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I, yeah. I know I can speak for Kings fans is that we're sick of being stuck in that limbo. Of course, of course, and when you look at everything that this Kings team does, you know, overall the last few years, <laughs> record wise, they're always in limbo. You look at team statistics. They're either at the bottom or they're in limbo or, you know, occasionally having a, a good team statistic like pace or something like that. Um, but, you know, that that is, of course, a problem. But I think my point a second ago, too, is that the Kings are going to keep competing, but I still think they're going to keep coming up short. They this like we said last week going into the second, not the second half, but the uh, closing 22 games is it's going to be tough. 13 on the road. What like? Uh, a bunch of games against tough teams. You know, we played two of the three games against Denver, lost both of those. We still have 
Utah, another one against Chicago. We have Milwaukee, Boston. We got Phoenix twice. We got Miami, Golden State, and Dallas. And not to mention the competitive games like San Antonio and, uh, you know, uh, Indiana and uh, teams that, are, you know, are still going to give you a tough game. And, you know, that you could visibly see the Kings playing a good game and losing. I mean, the Kings just have so many. You got good scoring from Fox, Sabonis, and then Barnes. And then sometimes you'll get a little something from Holiday or something like that. Um, but there's just not another there's just not there's not enough points to go up on the board. I mean, like how many points are they scoring these last few games? They scored 95 tonight. They scored uh one thirty, they went off against OKC, but then they scored 110 in each of the games against you know the Nuggets. And it's just like you'd like to see this team, you know, if you were really going to expect them to be a playoff team, you you would you would want them to be scoring more points especially in these competitive games and playing way better defense. And I think that they've, they've, they have become a little bit more disciplined, but you still see them kind of spiraling out of control like you did in the second half. And of course I do think that has a lot to do with them gelling. I think in the last few games, you've definitely seen this team chem team's chemistry uh, play out a lot better and they look a lot better. And just the dynamic of having Lyles in the starting lineup, even tonight. I mean, I think, he wasn't really like he didn't put up 24 points like he did against the Thunder, but you know he, he still does fundamental things that I think the cohesion of the starting unit is a lot better and it opens things up. He's moving a lot more. He's a lot more deliberate with the ball, um, and he's 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 confident and smart. And I think that that's really important. I felt like Harkless was always kind of a hole. I know that's kind of a jumble of a few things there, but you know I just think that this Kings team ultimately is going to start losing games. And they're going to basically be able to kill two birds with one stone in a way because they'll be able to compete. They'll win some games here and there, you know? Like, who do they play? They also play, you know, they played the Thunder the other day. They play Houston twice, and they got, like, Orlando as well, you know? There, there are some games that are just probably could fall in the Kings' lap, but there's also a bunch of games that the Kings, you know, I, I, you, you, you just see it ending up like a game like this or the second one against Denver, you know? Mm-hmm. Where it just seems like the Kings just kind of fall apart. And um, I don't know. I just I think that they are going to be able to kind of compete and figure out a little something going into next year, maybe build a little momentum and hope for fans while also still maybe working up uh, the draft uh, draft odds for a, a better pick. Yeah, they definitely have a super tough schedule to end the season. And you know what? It might play in favor for their lottery odds. They, like you said, they play a lot of tough teams. A couple of easy ones in there, but yeah, it's it's not gonna. It doesn't sound like it's gonna end well. Um, mostly because it's still a new team trying to gel together, like you were saying. Um, I think I said I wish the Kings would end the season ten and twelve to get me really excited <laughs> after these uh, four games. It's been uh, I, I don't know if, I don't know if ten games is realistic in the last twenty two, and I think I said they played three games. They actually played four games since we last talked. I just thought about that, and right? Put it out there. So, right. Yeah, Nuggets twice. Uh, it was nice seeing Sabonis versus Jokic in that first Nuggets game. I know we played them back to back once in sack, 
once in Denver. So Bonus matched up super well against Jokic in that first game and pretty good in that second game as well. But, you know, Sabonis dropped 33 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists. You can arguably say he outplayed Jokic, who dropped 25, 12, and 9. Pretty even stats. Uh, Jokic had four more assists, but the Kings ended up losing that one by 18. But it was fun to watch. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, the one thing about Jokic, though, that I think he is just, <laughs> he finds, he did, they, he does a lot of the same things as Sabonis um, in terms of, like, leading the team and directing people and whatnot. But mm-hmm. as soon as he saw, you know, um, uh, that he was being really pressured on defense and they really wanted to try to keep him out of the interior, he allowed other guys to get involved, you know, like crazy, like Aaron Gordon and whatnot. And like mm-hmm. I said, you know, just other guys were getting involved in a lot of those games. And just the fact that he was just so – he's he's just – Sabonis does so many good things, and you can hardly say that you want him to do better at these kind of intangibles. But Jokic is like – he's literally calling the pick and roll as it's happening. Of course, it's predictable. The pick and roll is coming. But he's telling guys, no, 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 just wait here. Or he's telling the guys to go. And it's just it's, – it's a marvel to watch. Jokic is really something special. I do agree, though. That was a lot of fun to watch because I think two, those two are some of the most dynamic big men. But I didn't want to break your stride there. Oh, yeah. No worries. It, I mean, it was super fun. Jokic, I mean, obviously, Sabonis is super good, but also super far away from Jokic. He's the MVP for a reason, posting the highest PER of all time this season. It's, it's remarkable to watch. It was fun watching those two games. Although in that second game... Ugh, the Kings were right there. Um, a big Monte Morris three at the end kind of was the dagger. But in the two-minute report after the game, they were saying that the screen that Jokic set to pick Fox off of Morris was actually a foul. And when I was watching it, it was uh it was a pretty hard, it was a pretty hard screen. Fox kind of flailed a little. Um, looked like a foul in person, ended up being a foul. Uh, it was kind of upsetting because the Kings played really well, hung in with Denver in Denver. Uh, I just that was a hard game to watch with the refs, honestly. That's another point. Oh, a lot of these games have been tough with the refs, but right? just on that one thing with Fox, because yes. when I watched that, um, I was listening to the Denver broadcast and I uh, I saw it and I was like, ah, oh, man, Fox, you gotta. I feel like I know you got it, you're trying to play the foul up a little bit but it's like i feel like you got to do a better job of getting a close out on that guy doing a better job of maneuvering around the screen as opposed to trying to play the 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 the, the foul because it's like you know in these last couple of games i just feel like the kings do not get a lot of calls not at all and i i think you gotta kind of like know that as a player and you gotta really make sure he doesn't just get a wide open look like that and I don't know. It was one of those things where I was like, I see what you're trying to do, but nah, at the end of the day, and I'm sure he would agree, you know, you, you could probably take the other route. But the calls have been ridiculous. I feel like Fox doesn't get a lot of calls. Barnes never protests. But I, I don't think in the, like the last couple of months, or, you know, he, he, he's just like barking at refs as well. Sabonis doesn't get calls in several large chunks of games. It, it's kind of weird. I don't think that there's any superstition amongst Kings fans that 
they're not getting calls because I just don't think they are. No. So here's an interesting stat. So since his, since Sabonis' first star year in 2019-2020, his free throw attempts per game. So 1920, 4.8. 21-5.3. 21-22 in Indiana this season, 5.5. So he's averaging in Indiana over the last two and a half years about five, a little over five uh, free throw attempts per game. And sack, he's averaging 2.3. Right. Three less. And, I mean, I see the contact. It's not like I was watching Sabonis really in Indiana, but I there's plenty of times he is hit very hard or fouled, obviously. And he's, you know, protesting to the refs, and you see it, and it is very frustrating because a lot of calls aren't going the Kings way. Um, you know, that leaves players in, uh, you know, you, you foul, you get a couple more foul calls. You put other players in foul trouble. It's just, it's hard to watch. And it, it is frustrating because Fox and Sabonis, they're very physical. Fox yeah. always goes into lanes and I get it. You're not going to get every call. You're not going to, that's not realistic. Basketball is a physical game, but there's some calls and you're just, even you're left scratching your head. Just like you see the player protesting and you're just like, yeah, like, Where's the call right there? And it has mm. been frustrating over the it, last. It happens few. again and again, right in front of yeah. the refs too. Yeah, and then it seems like the other team gets touched, and it's a foul. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. awful, but it seems like the other team is getting these calls when the Kings are not. I don't know. It's it's definitely doesn't seem like it's been fair for the last couple of games. I never want to blame games on the refs. I don't like doing that. But it definitely is a. It has been a factor, not the yeah. reason, right? But of a course, factor. there's so many factors into the, you know, as to why they're losing. But that that I think that is included in that mosaic. Um, yeah, it's 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 kind of rough. I mean, yeah, those physical matchups with Jokic, in two games in Denver or against Denver, he was only at the free throw line. Free throw line. Sabonis was only at the free throw line three times. Hey, what? <laughs> and 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 Jokic was was there. He had, he was five of seven from the free throw line in the first game. I mean, like credit to him. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to go to the free throw line. And of course, he's really crafty and very smart. Like I said, he's a he's really one of the more special players in the league. But and then in the second game, you know, he got to the free throw line what nine times, eight times. So I mean, like he he was getting in that physical matchup. He was getting. A, a large proportion of these calls and the fact that you know Sabonis ends up with one and two respectively dude is just, that's just that's that's silly you're telling me Sabonis had one free throw attempt one game and two free throw attempts another game against the Nuggets yes oh my god I didn't know that that's ridiculous yes one free throw attempt they were going at it all night all yeah night. Oh my god. The same thing happened. The same thing happened. Um, I felt like against the Nets. Yeah, yeah, it was he was not getting any calls, and he was like really like oh, like he was his eyes, you know, you see his eyes get wide and his hand, his palm in the air, and you're like, "Ah, I feel for you. Feel for you, big fella. Yeah, and then and then yeah, we get nothing, right? And then on the other end, freaking 
Jokic can shove Fox out of the way on a screen and that's true. That's allow true. his guy to hit a game winner. It, it's it's frustrating. They, for sure. I don't understand. I mean, I, I don't want to get conspiratorial about NBA refs, but you know, I don't know if they're trying to help the flow of scoring. You know, if a guy's rolling or whatnot, or just trying to help stars out. But it's just like there is a discernible uh, lack of calls for Sacramento. Yeah, it's uh, strange. It is strange. Not something I really feel like dwelling too much on. Of course, because they're still, you know, playing terrible defense and, you know, yeah. not matching, the, the, you know, their runs, you know, to the same level that other teams do. I mean, like how many times in these last four games did teams go on like 7-0, 8-0, 9-0, 12-1, runs? Even against OKC, there were a few. Yeah, they just, were they, they, they were down like nine just like, OKC. Yeah, it was just like uh guys, and you see them come back, but then at the same time, you're like, you cannot keep doing this. But if you're gonna keep doing it, it does put an emphasis on getting off to good starts to both the first and second half. And like tonight or last night, that is, uh, against the Pelicans, they got off to a, a great start in the first quarter, and then they got off to a a pretty lousy start in the third quarter. And then they just let it get out of control. Like we said, and they just need to come out of these game plans. It came, come out of these, these moments where you're assessing game plans and getting better. And you need to be the better team. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. when you come out of a timeout, you expect to score. If you don't score off off a timeout on an offensive play, what the hell are you doing? You know, yeah. you're supposed to dry drop your best play. It mm. shows a lack of, something and i do think it is just if there's a few holes pieces wise on this team but like i said i do want to say that i do think you know lyle's lamb jones and uh gee i feel like i was somebody else um and divincenzo of course are all like you watch them play and you're like okay yeah this these guys this is what you want to see but still you got to have that scoring element. You got to have that, that you got to have, have somebody come in there and really add something to it. All right. And it, that's just not really happening. And I don't know, maybe they'll start scoring again. Cause you know, DiVincenzo's up and down. You see some of these guys up and down, but you know, you got to see the, you got to, you got to, you got to have people that can sink shots and you can't just have a team wide night. It's unacceptable for the whole team to shoot poorly you know, outside of your two guys. That's just ridiculous because you need somebody out there. I mean, like anytime you expect to win, you're going to need somebody else to supplement the scoring, you know, behind Fox. And then usually what Sabonis Barnes are doing. And if that's not happening, you're just going to keep coming up short. And that's just kind of the theme here. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, Barnes has looked great since Sabonis has come over. But yeah, outside of those three, it's, you know, you just kind of hoping some guys a night, kind of uh, on what Monday night versus OKC. I mean, it yeah. was OKC. Not saying any basketball game's an easy game, but definitely one of the easier games they had on their schedule in recent memory. And it, it was nice. It was like Lyles scored twenty four on seventy one percent shooting, and it took like a nice load off of Sabonis and Fox's back. They won that game handily, but you're right. They need that guy to step up. And 
I mean, I know he's been disappointing right now for me. It's Holiday. I know he's capable of so much more, but I want him to be a little more consistent. I don't think he did much last night against the Pelicans. I think he what, scored three points, five points. Yeah, he, he scored. Was, he was, yeah, yeah five, five points. Uh, one for four. He made one three. He he needs to step up. He's just starting shooting guard. He needs to hit threes in a little more consistently. He needs to be a little more aggressive. I mean, at this point, I think Jeremy Lamb has looked better than Justin Holiday. Like, I feel like I trust Jeremy Lamb to make an open jump shot over Holiday at the moment. Not saying Lamb's the better player, but he has been, I think, since coming to the Kings. Yeah. I mean, of course, I think you're playing to the advantage. Like, you're, it's, you want Lamb to come off the bench because Lamb's a great piece off the bench. Yeah. And there have been moments where you see Holiday drop like 18, you know, mm-hmm. hit a couple of threes. And again, you know, I don't know what you want to attribute this to, but there are a few games like tonight. He only had three three-point attempts. He is a good three-point shooter. He's got to have more attempts than that. And, you know... The fact that the Kings, again, (laughs) the thing that's happened in one of the games against Denver, they didn't hit a single three. And I think in the second half, the Kings only hit two tonight, three, two threes in the second half is you're just going to need. I I mean, like you would like to see Holiday do better, but also it's like, you know, you're going to need other guys as well. Yeah. Last night against the Pelicans, I, I think they went eight for 33. From three, uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna win games shooting yeah. eight for thirty three from deep. Yeah, that was that was just every shot they threw up, and it felt like every shot the Pelicans threw up, they were just nailing everything. Did you see Brandon Ingram's run at the yes. end of the first half? It's like just double this guy. I, I get Barnes is trying his best, but damn, his best ain't enough at the moment. You know, that's nothing against Barnes. It, Ingram was on fire. Like they Yeah, just, no, Barnes was playing good defense. It was like watching like Ray Allen guard Kobe way back when. And then yeah. Kobe would just go off and you're like, oh man, Allen must be bad at defense. And you watch it, you're like, oh, he's really good. Yeah. No, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. He was it was that was something else. I wish they try to shut that down a little quicker, just throw a double on them. Because yeah. it, you could just tell. I remember when he was doing that feet check against uh Barnes in oh, the man. in the right corner. I'm like He's going to make this. I know it. Like, he's just on fire. And of course, he just drained it. And probably Barnes' is best defense of the night. I, yeah. I, I wish they shut that down earlier. Yeah. The uh, Kings came out just really going after McCollum and they really yeah. contained him well. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it just, and then Ingram just got on a roll. Yeah. And then it was just, it was an avalanche that the Kings, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, you could, they could have tried to get in front of it. But I think, like, I think you're right. They, they, I don't, I don't think they did actually do everything they could have to stop that. Yeah. And then when they tried to make the adjustment in the, in the second half, then you started seeing Valanchunas and McCollum drop in a few more points just in the third quarter. And then you just kind of saw the, the Pelicans go on a run and it was, it was, it was kind of history from there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the Pelicans, especially since getting CJ, and that's, it's a good team. Ingram and McCollum, those are two walking buckets right there two hard guys to defend. You add Valanchunas, very physical big man who can score really well. Mm-hmm. And it's a good team. Uh, I just wish they didn't lose by 30. But you've already heard me. Uh, yes, and score 95 points. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, score, score a whopping ninety-five. If you score, if they're, if, if, they're, if you know, like they, you know, what they say in football, you cannot defend the perfect pass. In basketball, you cannot defend some guys sometimes. I know that's not really eloquent, but you know, it's like Demar Derozan that one night against Chicago. It's like Ingram and a few stretch. Basically, this whole game. You know, these guys are just you can't defend against them. And in turn, you have to ratchet it up on offense. You've got to show up. You've got to get that killer instinct. You've got to be able to run with them. And you've got to be able to maintain your discipline. Like I said, the Kings were playing with pretty decent discipline. And then they kind of just started throwing up bad shots. One of the worst things I think the Kings do is they'll just kind of, I feel like they miss them. I feel like I should have started writing these down. But these like three pointers in within like, the first few seconds of the shot clock. Someone will just shoot a three off a dribble. And I'm like, what are you? And they miss it every time. It's usually DiVincenzo. That's usually my only critique of him. Yeah, I, I, I think he's a little too much of a, he just gets a little too much. True season happy. open. Yeah, he just, he, you know, that's, I, I like the idea. Of course, I'm, I'm saying that I want somebody to come in there and start scoring. He's trying to do that. That's a good thing. But when it's not working, it's not working, Dante. Mm-hmm. I, although I do have to reiterate, he's he's fantastic. He's been absolutely oh. amazing. Defensively, it's the same thing with Holiday. I cannot say enough about their active hands, their energy, their smarts. They're so good on defense, and that's invaluable. Yeah, I I love DiVincenzo. Last night, favorite, honestly, after the blowout, my favorite play of last night was DiVincenzo getting the rebound off of a Kings missed free throw. So getting the offensive board on the free throw. <laughs> he just cuts the lane. He wasn't even in. Like He was he was outside the three-point arc. Comes in, grabs the rebound. And I remember just, I, I don't know who it was on the Pelicans. One of the banks who probably should have grabbed the board. He kind of just like looks around with his arms up. He's like, why is this guy getting the rebound? But it just shows like his hustle. He's going to play every play at his hardest. I, I don't know. I just really like that, and it made me love him even more. Oh, yeah, he's flying around all the time. Yeah, he's awesome. He's great. I hope, uh, you know, I hope the Kings can keep him next year. I bet they're going to try their best too, and hopefully, he wants to stay here. I think so. I think they. I think. I think uh, any player will tell you, especially when you kind of. I uh, forget the two guards' names that have just kind of emerged this season for the uh, Bucks in the absence of DiVincenzo, but. Um, you know, you just kind of like fall out of love, I guess, with one place and you have a team that tried to trade for you a year prior and then they do it again and you're kind of getting pushed out of, not pushed out, but I mean, you're like, like you know, you get the odd man out. That's nice to kind of like fall into a landing spot where you can come in and make an imprint. So I think that he'll, he, I think he's already expressed that sentiment. So I think that that, that, that looks good for a, uh, uh, more. DiVincenzo down the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think we have a good chance of getting him back as well for the reasons yeah. that you just noted. Yeah. And I think one of the things about DiVincenzo playing good defense and seeing good defense continually and seeing good, you know, from a lot of these like perimeter players is one of the things that's making me worried is Davion Mitchell. I mean, his defense is still very good, but. He's. It's very concerning that his shot has struggled so much. Oh, I know. So and, upsetting to see. Yeah, I think there was a few moments early in the game. I think he came in and missed a like a mid range jumper, 
And then he came in and he tried to get to the basket a few times. And I thought that was really good. But then I, I, I don't remember much of Mitchell after that, you know? Yeah, yeah, honestly. <laughs> he'll just kind of fall out of it. I'm like, yeah, I really feel like he has the potential to be a little better than that. And you can dish it out, too. I feel like he should know when he's driving to the basket. But Yeah, he, his, he has not showed me much in his passing game this year. And uh, I'm hoping that improves. Um, obviously, he's only a rookie, so I'm not right. really going to. But he hasn't showed me a lot of passing for a guy and has been playing point guard in college. But yeah, his his three. Um, and he was a solid shooter for was out. And Davion kind of worked his way into the starting rotation for a little bit. He was he was like our best shooter in my opinion. I mean, maybe Halliburton at the time still, but right. Davion Mitchell on catch, like that dude was automatic for like a 10, 15 game stretch. I'm like, yeah, I want I want Davion Mitchell shooting this ball right here. You get the ball, I want you to shoot it, and he was making it. Even his mid range, he had a, he has a nice little mid elbow, cross up a guy, step up, and he was nailing those. But yeah, mm-hmm. his uh definitely fallen off over the last couple of games, and if, yeah. you know he's a rookie, it, it, and it happens to everyone. But yeah, I would like to see a little more consistency in his game moving forward. I don't know. I, I it's a rookie. I, I never like being hard on him or expecting like oh you know Mitchell sucks. You, you can't expect that guy to lead your team to wins, but it has definitely been a factor for the Kings last couple of games. And uh, he is a player on the team. Yeah. So, he's shooting. Know. He's shooting just in the last four games, just to be clear, he's shooting 10% from three. Yeah. It's, you know, it's downhill pretty fast, huh? I think all you can say is it's kind of, it's, it's nice that this is a good rookie season. This is a good opportunity to have a rookie year for Davion Mitchell. I think he's learning a lot. I think he's going to come back and he's at least going to be a productive player in this, in in this league. And I do think that the shooting is going to come back, you know, because he's shown at moments. I think in January uh, in particular, he was shooting pretty well. But, um, you know, he – it's just – like I said, I mean, it's good timing for the rookie year because, you know, I mean, if this team is going to kind of just come up short and then look ahead for next year, that's a good time to have your second season and kind of come out and really show them what you got. But it 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 – is unfortunately affected the team. The fact that he's just shot so poorly, I feel like he just goes in there and he'll go up there and he'll chuck a few up there and he'll miss. And it's like, well, he's not a factor tonight, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Check him off. And that list of people you can check off on the Kings offense piles up fast. And he's one of your better three point shooters. You have to depend more from him. And like I said, you know, holiday's good and you'd like to see holiday play better, but also, you got to have other guys. You got to have other guys from three. And this is this, that's a problem for Mitchell. Um, and just in general, like he said, his passing could be better. Sometimes it seems like he has the right idea. Sometimes he can be a little, um, uh, a little over aggressive, but most of the time it's just like, I feel like he kind of gets into a score mentality, which again, kind of, you know, you got to know when you're not sinking it, Yeah, you know, but he's trying to go out there and change it. He's a rookie, like you said. Yeah, yeah, he'll figure it out. 
Mm -hmm. I get the hang of that. But it definitely makes a difference when he's not really showing up. Yeah, and like you said, you 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 need to rely on other people. It was nice to see Divincenzo. I think he he was on fire against the the Thunder. He yeah, I swear to God, he didn't miss. Let me. If I can find his stats the other night. Five of seven from the field, and yeah. including four of six from three. It was a real change. Yeah, and it was great to see. And then you come to tonight, and like three you said, three of nine you, from the field, one of five from three tonight, or yeah. last night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like you said, check check someone off that you don't have to worry about. And then, like you mentioned a little earlier, is that. DiVincenzo loves to shoot early threes on the shot clock. He kind of just dribble it up, and no one's on him, really. He shoots it, and his three-point shooting this year, it just hasn't been that consistent, or at that point, it's not really a good shot. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense when you're playing pretty decently and the shots just aren't falling. You don't start trying to force your shots. Like, that's not the answer. Yeah. And that's just, you know, I, you love his enthusiasm, but she was. Yeah. It's like, dude, that's not a good shot to take. And that was something that was frustrating me with Sabonis last night against the Pelicans as well. Was He seemed like he was forcing a shot, too. He saw the Kings get into this little hole um, when the Pelicans would go on a run. And, like, I love the determination and the grit where it's like, all right, I need to score right here. But he... I sw- he he kept missing too, and he was. There weren't good shots. I mean, Valanciunas is a solid defender, matches up with Sabonis really well. And he's trying to do like little jump hook, half hooks over him, but they weren't terrible looking shots. But definitely not the shot you want to beat take on your first, uh, you know, your first attempt mm-hmm. in the shot clock uh, or on the possession. You want something a little higher quality than what he was doing, and. That was kind of frustrating, and I see Fox do that too. And I get it. There is a need to score the ball on those runs, and I wish Sabonis and Fox would be the ones that could really, you know, barrel down and stop the run with the bucket, but right. it's hard to watch them not be able to do that. Yeah, so. Sabonis, when the Kings were playing well in the first half, Sabonis was 5 of 9. When Sabonis is scoring and he keeps that, you all of a sudden have that option. Is he? Are you going to defend him or are you going to try to defend the people around him, the people he's going to try to get the ball to? And when he's scoring, that makes that difficult. And in the second half, he was only 1 of 7 from the field. Yeah. And that that all of a sudden, you start giving the defense less things to worry about again. And it's just like the pieces just... the. the pieces of the king's machine in each game just continue to fall off and they just fall off precipitously at one point and it's usually in the second half yeah yeah it's kind of a shame yeah it truly is it's it's a life story of the kings for <laughs> a long time now but you you want to get on the happier note i'm, I'm ready are you yeah are you? we can we can go on a happier note sure so why don't we talk about De'Aaron Fox's play since... I was just going to bring up De'Aaron Fox. Nice. <laughs> since the Tyrese Halliburton trade. The dude has been on fire, scoring around 27 a game, 50% shooting. Right. He's been great. It's almost like it's almost like he's trying to prove. Because, he, you know, he had like a rocky start to start off the year. Not rocky, but definitely not. Well, you wanted to see Darren Fox come out and do after scoring 25 points a game in the previous season. 
But mm-hmm. he looks like he's regained form. And yeah, it's it's almost like they traded Halliburton and now he's trying to prove to everyone that the Kings bet on the right horse and I mean <laughs> he's looked awesome. Right. How many games has it been? Is it one, two, three, four, since, five, it's six, been nine seven, since eight. the Halliburton trade. So yeah. last night's Pelicans game was nine. I'm counting eight. Am I missing one? Minnesota, uh, Washington, Brooklyn, Chicago, Denver, Minnesota, Denver. Minnesota twice. Oh, oh yeah, because you didn't play in that game. You're right. Nine. You're right. There you go. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah, I want to pull these stats up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we hear you. Oh man. Oh, whoops. No, yeah, he's killing it. I mean, the thing, the thing that you, I do have to say, still. And the reason that this team team can still kind of compete and have that attitude throughout the rest of the is the rest of the season is because you do have a guy like Sabonis, you do have a guy like Fox putting up points unhindered by, uh, you know, not unhindered, but I mean that not having that kind of like guy vying for minutes too or anything like that, um, and 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 someone who is also playing the same position and plays really well with the ball in his hands, um. So, of course, like, you expect this from Fox, but you have things on this team that are just playing really well. When you have a Fox, you know, scoring 24, 25, you know, plus a night, you know, I don't know, what is he averaging in this stretch? He's averaging um, how many points? Probably a little over. He was, I knew when eight games in, he was averaging 27. Yeah, I was going to say about 28. So, I would say a little less. About 27, 26. 20. I don't know yeah. how math works. <laughs> Probably a little under 27 is what I'm saying. Probably like- I'm just saying numbers right now. I'm just like, oh, 32? <laughs> uh, but it's ridiculous. I mean, because it's very promising. You're like, okay, this guy can really, I mean, he can consistently go out there and put in points. And if you, with Sabonis and his, his how dynamic he can be, how he can, he can almost put up 20 and, you know, 13, 14 a night um, if he wants to. And uh, not if he wants to, but if he can, uh, if he's not getting into foul trouble, um, uh, you add another guy like that, it's very special. And so when you're seeing Fox legitimize the fact that he is, again, because we were worried there, like you said, you know, everybody's like, oh, no. But it's just something about him in the second half. He's just usually good in the ending stretch of the season. Mm-hmm. And I think add to that, you know, uh, bringing in a guy that you can basically now run an offense through a big man, which is really nice for him. Yes. And it's, it's, it, you know, it allows him to, when he does want to run the offense to the big guy, he can run around the quickest guy in the league. He can make quick cuts, you know, or if people are going to now all of a sudden have to worry about that, he can just run by guys. You know, everybody's going to think, you know, with all the good ball movement that they do, guys will take it their eyes off the quickest guy in the league. And then all of a sudden he's off. So he has so many options at his disposal and it's just been, it's been really something. And uh, you, you just hope he can keep it up and you hope that, you know, if we're going to talk about the Kings as a team getting off to good starts, you hope that next season he can come in in October and he can start rolling. He can start yeah. rolling into the holidays and he doesn't have to kind of come back, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in December and January. And reemerge, and we all have to do this thing. We're like, oh, look, oh, Fox is good after kind of worrying for a few months. 
Yeah. It's it's nice seeing him back, uh, regaining his form. But yeah, good point. Next season, you can't have those that October where you're scoring 18 points a game, you know, as your number one option who was scoring 25 the year before. He's got to come out strong with Sabonis. Hopefully, I know we're still far away from that offseason, but I mean, I think it's pretty clear that the Kings are missing at least one piece. Not sure who it is. I think it's definitely in the power forward position or a stretch big position if you want to throw Sabonis at the four and maybe find a stretch five, which would be hard to do. But yeah, did they do that in Indiana? (laughs) Yeah, right. With Miles Turner. But Miles Turner didn't like it. He's like, I want to just be put in the corner. So someone that knows his role and wants to be put in the corner because that's important too. You, you know, yeah. you need players that know their role. I know the Kings would like to get John Collins or maybe not the Kings, but Kings fans. John Collins is a very good scorer for Atlanta. He's a power forward, can hit three at a high clip, but I wouldn't expect to get John Collins and then be, have him be happy just throwing him in the corner. He is very good around the basket, too. Um, and so that's something to keep in mind when you're trying to find these people. Mm-hmm, the fit. The fit, exactly. And so it'll be interesting to see what McNair does because I think power forward is a huge uh, hole in our lineup mm-hmm. until that's filled with someone solid or, you know, we're going to continue to struggle. Um, <laughs> it was nice to see Trey Lyles fill in that hole against the Thunder, but. Yeah. We all know that's unrealistic to sustain. So it'll be interesting, but hopefully the Kings continue to gel. Fox and Sabonis keep building that chemistry to finish off the season. Um, but like you said throughout the podcast today, it's uh, the play-in, especially after last night's loss against the Pelicans, it's definitely going to be a challenge, and making it isn't – doesn't seem very likely at this point. But they can go out and be convincing against San Antonio and they can they can change our minds. Yeah, I mean San Antonio tonight, that's another team in the way of that 10th and final playing spot. I man, I I just hate playing San Antonio. Even though they they're not the San Antonio of even 5 years ago when they had Kawhi and well, I guess Kawhi, but you know, Duncan the couple of years before that mm-hmm. and obviously that great dynasty spurs team I, I just hate playing san antonio i don't feel like the kings ever play san antonio well popovich is a great coach the spurs right. even the last couple of years when they haven't been at their best they're still competitive and you know they see that playing spot too and they have an all-star and dejounte murray they're gonna go for it and it's tomorrow's going to be no cakewalk and it's going to be pretty gritty like it is tonight. At least I hope on the Kings part, because I know for sure the San Antonio Spurs are going to come out swinging. Yeah. That'll be fun. It'll be good. Yeah. I mean, you want to be able to win a game. It's going to be tough on a back to back on the road. Um, But you want to be able to try to preserve some, some morale here because it is important to keep competing and keep, building chemistry, building momentum, building towards the right direction. And, um, you know, so it would be great to see this. If this team can come out and win, I mean, then all of a sudden it changes the conversation. And that's one of the things about this, this Kings team 
since the trade is like kind of had your ups and downs with the expectations because you kind of like at first it's like oh hey this team could really make the play on and then you're like yeah they keep falling short and then you're like ah you know like maybe they just need some more time and then you're watching them these last couple stretches and you're like eh, maybe not maybe not but i don't know maybe they they may they uh make an ascent again i don't know uh nothing's out of the realm of possibility with this team i remember the year that covid happened it, it was like a very disappointing season because it was the first year with Walton, the first year after Dave Yeager left, and the you know, the first year after the Kings had their best season in years, and they just fell flat on their face with Walton. Um, but then I remember at the end of the season, like it's like at the point you've given up, it's like I don't know, there's like 15 games left, and the Kings go on this little run and pull within like two and a half games of the eighth seed or, or something. I don't remember, honestly. It was like three years ago. But I remember it was getting excited. And the Kings started winning games. They started inching closer. And then COVID happened. And, yeah, then they sucked in the bubble. But, you know, I, that's what I'm saying. That I wouldn't be surprised if the Kings somehow start, you know, we start falling out. They, <laughs> they're going to lose to the Spurs tomorrow. They're going to lose their next three games. And we're going to be over. And then the last, like, it's gonna be ten games left, and then they're gonna go on like a seven and one run and pull within two games, and then just still fall short. That's the Kings for you. It happens every time. It's heartbreaking. Um, but like, yeah. <laughs> well, based on the way you're talking, do you want them to tank? Is like, do you, or is that just something that just kind of crosses your mind, or are you absolutely opposed to that idea? No, I, I'm always on the fence about it. As a fan, especially, and ever since getting some bonuses. Uh, paired up with Fox, which hasn't been that long. I, I you can't tank. I mean, you you can't purposely tank. I mean, if you get a high draft pick, I'm not going to be upset. But you, you definitely cannot like purposely lose games while you're trying to build this chemistry. Losing does no good for good players, in my opinion. It, it mm-hmm. discourages them. So. No. Do I want them to tank? No way. Do I, would I be mad if they kept losing and got a high draft pick? Yeah, I might be mad as a fan watching them lose, but they get a high draft pick. Like, come draft night, I'm going to be pretty happy about it and maybe give me something to look forward to if the Kings can get a nice piece in the draft. But Mm -hmm. I'm never really for the tank. That's just, but yeah, like you said, it's kind of something that crosses my mind. I never, I never root for the Kings to lose. Of so, course. Yeah. It's kind of Plus, a weird thing. Maybe, it is you know. kind of a weird thing. Like, there's realistic Tony, and there's also, uh, you know, Kings fan Tony. I want to see my team win. Like, even at, you know, cost of the high draft picks. But realistic Tony, you know, I can take a step back and be like, okay, like, maybe this was good for us. So, we'll see what happens. Um I mean, I think the game against San Antonio, the Kings have a little bit of a better chance than they do against, you know, say Denver, or a New Orleans team right now. Um, you know, that, that, that'll that be a... They, I really do think that there's an opportunity to kind of uh, get people's hearts fluttering again. But ultimately, you know, just going to have to keep looking forward to what happens in the offseason. Because regardless of what happens, if they make the plan or not, that's going to be important. And like you were saying earlier, there are already places in mind to fix, but you know, 
it's just kind of all part of the fun. I really do think that this this sounds weird, but I think it's all going to kind of things are looking like it could fall in the king's favor in that they can keep doing all the things that you want them to do while at the same time not winning as much. Pull out a good draft pick, use it well, hopefully. And then Monty McNair has made two good picks, I would say. Um, yeah, so far. And so that, and then, you know, see what happens in free agency and offseason trades and whatnot. But, you know, it's this is this is this could be one of those moments that you could look back on, and, you know, this ending stretch of the season as you're frustrated. You could look back on with the, a little bit of endearment, I think, because I think this is kind of like this is a good struggle to be going through if you want to call it a struggle. I don't know what word you want to use, but kind of like the same old, same old. You know, I feel like this really does have the potential of being kind of the last one for now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you put it like that. It's almost a little poetic, you know. I mean, if we don't make the postseason this year, it's a, uh, you know, it's an NBA record 16 consecutive seasons without making the postseason. They're tied with the record right now. We officially own it. But, you know, most of my life I've known the Kings to not be in the playoffs and right i guess obviously ending it i would be extremely happy but you're right i mean it's something that we've been going through forever and hopefully it's the last and something we can look back on start as something new really but that's a bonus trade right well i mean speaking of optimism i mean think about when the kings are um hopefully in the uh, near future uh, uh competing for a championship maybe um, a team that hadn't made the playoffs in 16 years, you know, like people around the country are going to rally behind the Kings. Yeah. Very <laughs> you know? true. Yeah. And I feel like that's just like, Hey, that's something to look forward to. So when you do get there, people are going to be like, Oh man, yeah. The Kings. Cause there's always those teams, you know, <laughs> you haven't ever heard of them. Like they haven't been in the playoffs in forever. You're like, Oh yeah. I'm going to root for those guys. You know, there's the underdogs and there'll be the ultimate NBA underdog, you know, the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, man. Ugh. It's so weird. They haven't made the playoffs in probably 16 years. It's so weird to think. I don't even like thinking about it. It just depresses me. But you're right. I mean, we saw it in Golden State when the Warriors made it for their first time in 2012-13 with uh, Clay. Clay's, I think, rookie year or maybe his second year. might have been Barnes' rookie year. and. Mm-hmm. You know, Steph, and they had David Lee, they had Jared Jack, Carl Landry. Like, that was a fun team to watch because the Warriors, they were, you know, they were pretty bad too. They had the hell of a leave team, but in between that period, they were, oh, yeah. they were pretty terrible. So it was fun to rally around them. That's a good point, you know. The Kings can get themselves back on the radar. They're going to have a lot of support around the league. Right. Just for, you know, I guess – not really pity, but it's like the ultimate underdogs, really. And I, I think there's a, there's something in the human spirit that wants to see people do well. Yeah, I do think, and I think especially in sports, it's just like there's that one franchise, especially when it's it's not like it's like like the Knicks like screw them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah in New like York, they... like whatever. You know, it's like at Sacramento. These this is really well known as having a good fan base. You do want to see this team for the love of the sport, for the love of. Uh, just 
kind of that human connection to sports, you know, you, you want to see them do well, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So go get them, Sacramento. We got it right here. Three years, there. we're going to be in the Western Conference Finals, and, you know, we're going to have our own, you know, Splash Brothers. Or you can call them the Southpaws because, you know, Sabonis and Fox are lefties. That's going to be that's hey. going to be the nickname, Southpaws. Come Where did you hear that? I you know I've been thinking about it. They're they're both lefties, and you know, he spent a lot of time on the toilet, don't he? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the fox. That's, pretty, and, that's good. No, I like it. The I, fox I knew and the it. Fox, you know, they're animals, so it's southpaws. Uh, I like it. Thanks. Yeah, no, maybe they'll, maybe they'll be able to make a legacy for the Golden One Center. Yeah, because Arco Arena is getting its kind of a farewell. Yeah. You know, fun going full ho- full hospital, I think. Yeah, can I, can I tell you a quick fun fact about Arco? Oh yeah, you can tell me as many as you want. I um, I was at the last game at Arco Arena. It's against the Thunder. We won, and I actually sat courtside. So that was kind of cool. My buddy uh, dated this chick who uh, <laughs> whose family had courts tickets and every now and then he would take me so that was kind of cool so i was at that game at courtside probably the last time i'll ever sit courtside but it was a cool experience and the kings won against a thunder team that still had durant and westbrook so it was cool to see them up close and i have this like i have like this metal ticket that they gave me it's like a pretty big size metal ticket like commemorating the last day it was was fun yeah yeah i got Uh. yeah where do you have that? Uh, it's actually at my mom's house. I just left. Oh, it there. Okay, I was gonna say like I don't feel like I've seen that. One. Yeah, I should bring it. I should take it, get it to my place. I just left it there, honestly. So I have to go grab that. That's kind of cool. But yeah, Arco. I, I loved Arco. I was at another game. I was at at Arco. Definitely the best game I've ever been at Arco was when the Kings. Um, and of course, we're gonna call it Arco. I get it was Power Bounce Pavilion. I get it is now sleep train when it was, you know, when the Kings left it, but we all know it will forever be Arco. So uh, best game at Arco, 06 playoffs. Last time they were in the playoffs, I was there. I was 10. I'm now 25. Um, Kevin Martin against the Spurs. That was electric. I can't wait until I feel, I can't wait until I feel, uh, an energy like that in any Kings arena. So Arco was fun. It, it was definitely a drive out to Natomas. Uh, I guess they had parking. That was definitely a plus, but mm-hmm. it was, it was a long drive, especially going down. I mean, I had to go down 50 and then 80 and a little bit. And it always sucked going there after on like a weekday or when there was rush hour traffic. I was, I don't miss that part, but you, know. you that came up with the Garden Highway route? Yeah. My, my dad told me about the Garden Highway route. It was actually pretty effective. But it was kind of towards the end of... I learned about it towards the end of the Arco days anyway. But, you know, Arco will always hold a special place in Kings fans' hearts. You know, it was right. the team of Weber. It was the house of Weber, I mean, and Bibby and, you know, Vlade as a player. It was... They were fun times, and 
it will be missed, but obviously the Golden One Center is beautiful. Just don't have those memories yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see if they can do that. But yeah, uh, Arco or Sleep Train, whatever you want to call it. I think it's always Arco. Yeah. But um, regardless if you're a Kings fan or not, I mean, you know, going to a concert, going to whatever event is going on there, that's kind of a big deal. Um, Arco. I'm just calling it Arco, too. Yeah. Arco. Yeah. I remember Arco. when they changed that. It was like, what the hell? Power it was balance. Because pa- it went straight Pavilion. to Power Balance Pavilion. How dumb is that? Yeah. I remember that because we were in high school and yeah. power balances were a big thing. Yeah. And it was just like, <laughs> it was like, it was like that one guy we went to high school with. It's like, really? Are you serious? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, it was sounded like a joke. Yeah. It sounded like a complete joke. But yeah, they're going to redevelop the, I guess, whole area and do like a medical thing. Um, like yeah, Cal for... North State, I believe. Yeah. Oh, it's it's funny though, because you know they did did to donate the stadium to the state of California to use as extra hospital, like field hospital. Yeah. The pandemic. Mm-hmm. Well, they said they donated it, but then it came out, <laughs> and like later that year, that uh, they were actually charging the state of California five hundred thousand dollars a month. <laughs> what? No way. <laughs> I thought they donated that with the kindness of their hearts. During the pandemic, they're charging yeah. California five hundred thousand a month. Oh, you know, you know, Vivek Ranadive, he's the most progressive owner in the NBA. Oh yeah, yeah, very progressive Vivek. Yeah, charge California in their time of need five hundred grand a month to rent it out to you know people that need medical attention. That's funny. I, I mean, it's not really funny, but jeez. <laughs> yeah. Get old Vivek, you know, never fails to disappoint. Gotta love him, <laughs> you know. What a guy, what a guy. But you know, it is it is gonna be something saying goodbye to that place. It's weird because it's like, I don't know. It's just kind of strange when you see that it's like, oh, that's gonna be basically the end of that. And then it's like, oh yeah, they've been at the Gold One Center for like how many years now? <laughs> Six years, I think. Yeah, be it's year. been a while. It's, I know. Yeah. It's hardly a new stadium. It's still like one of the most state of the art ones by all accounts, but you know, among the league. But uh you know, it's seen a lot of losses. Yeah, it's seen too many losses. Um unfortunately. But yeah, six six years. Arco, a lot of fond memories just going to games there. Um I think they're doing a farewell. I guess not ceremony, but event at the grounds on March 19th. If you're interested, I, I might go, I don't know. I really thought about it. I'm actually going to the game the night before and, um, against the Celtics, but we'll see. Maybe I'll stop by. I mean, I do. I, I remember get, I was a kid really when Argo was happening. I was like excited to get to the game early. So I'd always get there at like, o'clock and you know just like mm-hmm. experience the atmosphere of a basketball game and it's like seeing my favorite team play yeah it's memories are at arco arena so it'll it'll definitely be missed and i might attend that i think yeah mm-hmm. i think that there's a certain romance to the fact that it is because it's like you're thinking about going but i'm like I, I can tell in the back of your head you're also like that's a little out of the way yeah <laughs> and that's what i kind of liked about it is like you know the whole cowtown thing you know, the with the Phil Jackson bringing yeah. on the cowbells uh, unwittingly, um, you know, like that 
that really was characteristic of Sacramento. And it's like, I hate to say it, but it's like the Sacramento now in, you know, uh, uh, downtown. It's just not, it's not a cow, it's not cow town. And it doesn't have that vibe anymore. It's not it anymore. It's like city in California now, which has kind of got its growing pains. So it's important to kind of build an identity, you know. That's a good point. I, I didn't really think about it that way. But well, yeah, it's it's important because I think, especially if you're going to want to play with a chip on your shoulder, I mean, you can't just look the part. You really got to play the part, you know. And so it's the, just them being at this really cool stadium. I don't know. It's really showy. It's just like, come on, like where's that grit, you know? You got to have that championship grit. And uh, I feel like that's maybe easier to develop when you're the cow town. Yeah. Yeah. You make a great point. Something I didn't think about. I mean, I was pretty excited when they built Golden One Center downtown where it should be. It should be in Sacramento, not in Thomas. But I, I totally get what you're saying. And, you know, yeah, they got that moniker because of, you know, the location of that arena and what Sacramento was at that time. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I like it. I like that. Yeah. Well, they can, they can, like we said, they can really establish something here, uh, growing the seeds of something that can be promising for this, this franchise with this team. Yeah. Um, you know, they have the pieces now. It's a bonus of Fox and, you know, only time can tell. So mm-hmm. fill it out. Keep playing well. Let's see what they can do against San Antonio tonight. Yeah, hopefully we walk away with a W. So until next time. Absolutely. We'll talk to you then.